You're listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. This episode features audio from a previously aired live video webcast. I probably need one of those countdown things, but I'm too lazy to like make it. So, <laughs> all right. Welcome to Sagas and Sass season two. I'm Tara, along with fellow host Jonathan and Nami. This episode will cover Empire of Ivory, book four of the Temeraire series by Naomi Novik. If you're watching live, join us in the chat or after the fact, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Sagas and Sass to continue the conversation. And just a reminder, the views expressed in the show are those of the hosts as individuals and do not necessarily represent the show as a whole. All right. Well, it is time for us to dive back into Temerary, y'all, and what a dive it is. Empire of Ivory drags us right back into the story as Temerary and the Ferals, loaded down with the Prussian refugees, are desperately trying to reach Britain. It seems eerie that no British dragons come out to meet them or to help them fight off the French pursuit, and come to find out this is because they're all infected with a deadly plague. Poor babies. Jane Rowland is now commander of the Corps, and she decides to start sending Temerary and the Ferals out on patrols in hopes of keeping the French from knowing how bad things are with the British dragons. Meanwhile, Temerary takes it upon himself to suggest changes to the dragon's lifestyle that might also help with their illness, including pavilion construction and cooking their food. He and Lawrence are even able to begin suggesting these and more upgrades to the to the dragon's lifestyle to the government, but you know, government is as government does and sadly they don't get very far. Thankfully though, Temerare is best boy and decides that his own pavilion should be built in the quarantine ground so that the sick dragons can use it. Despite every attempt to keep Temerare from being exposed to the sick dragons, one day he's caught up in pursuit of a French courier and they crash into the longwing sand pits, which are full of infected longwings and a whole lot of their, well, snot. Gross. <laughs> However, two weeks after this heavy exposure, Temera still isn't sick, and they decide that he must have been exposed to the cure as well, having originally caught the plague from a courier dragon during their journey to China and recovered during a stop at Cape Town. And so it's off to Africa. But this time, they're not alone. Maximus, Lily, and the other dragons from Lily's formation all get to tag along as well. Though in another unfortunate twist of events, they're stuck sailing with Riley the Slaver again. Ew. Of course, Lawrence and Riley's relationship is already strained, and Lawrence adds insult to injury, I guess, in Riley's dull-ass mind, when he invites a former slave, Reverend Erasmus, and his family to join them for their journey. Surprisingly, though, the sea voyage is pretty blasé, as are their first weeks in Cape Town, until some children bring them the awful stinky mushroom that Temeraire ate in book two. And let's be real, we all knew from the start that this mushroom was the cure, right? Of course, that doesn't mean it's all smooth sailing from then on. It turns out that the mushroom is harmful to local livestock and has been basically eradicated. It's only with the help of two native boys, Domain and Sifo, and their tracking dog that the British are able to find any of it at all. And then when they finally come across enough to cure all of the dragons in Lily's formation and to send some back to England, they're captured by natives. Reverend Erasmus is killed in the process and everyone else who has gone on the mushroom hunt is brought deep into the heart of Africa. So all this time, the British have been assuming that Africa is just full of feral dragons, when almost the op exact opposite is true. Silly British, I roll. Not only are the dragons not feral, they are believed to be reincarnations of tribal leaders and basically run things. It turns out that Erasmus's wife, Hannah, was taken from the tribe of the dragon Keftense? Kefensis? How do you I think it's, it? I think it's, I think it's Kefense. 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 Who discovered 
them harvesting the mushrooms. So she is separated from the rest of the group and basically treated like a queen, while Lawrence and the others are imprisoned, and Lawrence is even whipped mercilessly when he refuses to aid the African dragons and their people by drawing an accurate map of Europe. But where is Temer all this time, you ask? He and the other dragons were transporting the mushrooms back to Cape Town when their people were captured. But somehow he tracked Lawrence all the way into the interior, and he, Lily, and another dragon, Dulcia, come to their rescue. Now their escape seems almost too easy, but that's because it is. It turns out that most of the African dragons and people have left their island stronghold, or sorry, their inland stronghold, to go attack Cape Town. So Temeraire, Lawrence, and the others arrive in the midst of that battle. It's pretty clear that the settlement is lost, that they are able to help most of the colonists escape. One person does, however, choose to remain behind. Once Hannah has collected her two daughters from the settlement, they fly away on Kafense, back to Draconda, hopefully to live happily ever after. <laughs> the trip back to Britain is rough, what with all the extra passengers on board the Allegiance, but what makes it even more rough is the fact that all the other colonies on the African coast have been destroyed as well. Now this is some alternate history we could get behind. Heck yeah, destroy the colonizers. Eventually the ship is able to land somewhere and Lawrence and Temeraire discover some survivors, slavers, holding over 200 malnourished and mistreated people while they eat miscellaneous antelope-like kings. Lawrence frees the slaves, and their journey back to Britain continues, with just one more event in store. Riley and Captain Harcourt getting married. Uh, because, oh yeah, by the way, side note, they had a brief affair on the trip to Africa, and now she's pregnant with his baby, and all of that was, like, happening while they were, like, being held hostage, and she's like, what, like, like four, five months along at this point, something like that. And all of this like is gross and we hate it because ew, Riley, like Catherine, why girl, why do you have such terrible taste for this with white women and their terrible taste in men? I'm so sorry, but like Nina, honey, I'm looking at you too. God bring crows back somehow. <laughs> <laughs> As the Allegiance arrives back in home waters, though, they're attacked by the French, but here comes Iskierka, y'all! She's all grown up, and somewhere along the lines discovered the concept of capital, and has been leading the ferals on forays to capture prizes. She's basically a dragon pirate, and she just decked Granby out, and we freaking love her for it. Sadly, that's about the only fun thing going on in Britain, though, because as it turns out, they sent the infected little courier dragon that Temer captured back to France to spread the plague among their dragons. The fuck, guys? <sighs> Temer and Lawrence refuse to stand for this, though, so they steal some of the mushroom cure and deliver it to the French. Bonaparte himself meets with them and tells them that they are welcome to stay in France. But Lawrence is, some Zuko level, is on some Zuko-level honor trip as usual and insists on going back to England, even though he knows that he'll be executed for it. And of course, Temeraire, being the goodest boy he is, refuses to let Lawrence go back alone and insists that if he is there, they won't execute Lawrence. Although that remains to be seen, but there are nine books, so I am tentatively hopeful. <laughs> Tentative, <laughs> tentatively hopeful that Lawrence doesn't die. <laughs> well, I mean, we Terry. thought the same for Ned Stark, too, didn't we? <gasps> exactly. And Tara, you already told us that we get Lawrence's, the, the, sorry, that we get Temerer's POV in the next book, so like, what if Lawrence just dies and the rest of the series is Temerer? <laughs> oh my god, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be so mad about that, but... <laughs> Actually, I do have to say, after, you know, three books of being like, wow, Lawrence is just the most wishy-washy asshole. Hate him. Boring McBoringson. He uh, unboring McBoringson himself. Yeah. 
You know, I will say this though. I disagree. I don't think he's super wishy-washy. I just think that he is so obsessed with like serving Britain. He's caught up in manners. He's so caught yeah. up in manners that yeah. he have to think for himself. And he's so busy being like, ah, yes, and it must be proper British he's, men. He's such an upper-class British twit. Yeah. Thank you, Jonathan. I and mean, he's, he's constantly on. He's basically Lord Grantham, a younger Lord Grantham in Downton Abbey. It's oh my gosh. Horrible. <laughs> Pretty cool. all of British aristocracy just has like multiple sticks up their butts. He's constantly going on about how he had it so rough when he was a sailor and stuff like that. And it's like, did you though? Because you were still the son of a lord. Sailors in that era, it was pretty bad. <laughs> I, like I know, no, like I'm, I'm not disagreeing that he had tough times, but when compared to so many other people, uh... it's what it is. I would not have wished being on one of those vessels for anything. It's one of those things that I think it's sort of like he might have gotten a bit of respect for being the son of a lord, but I don't think he got. Like he still will step on a boat. Yeah, yeah. And have to do sail work. And I oh, don't yeah. I'm not. Yeah, again, like not saying he didn't work hard, but there's a lot of this. Like, like I had it so tough when I had to do this, this, and this. And it's like, again, compared to so many other people in this series, like, yeah, yeah, I mean, have it. talking about an upper class British man complaining about his existence while slavery is actively existing so uh although like hey at least like in this book he actively fights against it like in several different ways you know just like quietly not talking about it which is what he used to do like because they've got that whole like sort of like he starts that like being like the face of like the anti-slavery movement back Mm -hmm. in england and like even though he doesn't like actively like you know kick slavers in the shins like I would have done to say the least of it. He's like, you know, for him, he's doing something very, very bold. And I think mm-hmm. that was really, really awesome. And I really love, I think this book really did it for me in terms of what all these other books were missing previously because, yeah. you know, it basically took all of the like issues of colonialism and slavery that are going on, right? Like in the world at this exact moment and went, heck no, we're not doing it anymore. And that is what I want, wanted from a book like this this whole time. And I'm very, like, salty. I had to wait three books to get it. But also, like, now that I got it, I'm like, all right, I'm solidly here. Literally, like, y'all don't even get it. Like, when we were talking about this next part of the series, I was like, Tara, if you can find somebody else who likes this series to, like, maybe take my place so I, like, never have to read the rest of these books. Like, I'm not saying I would want that, but I'm also not saying that I wouldn't be really happy if that happened. (laughs) And, like, straight up, like, I read this book and I was like, holy shit. I would have literally DNF'd right before everything that I cared about happening actually, like, started to happen. And, like, it was literally like an aside for a second at the end of the book where they're all like, where like, you know, he comes back from Cape Town. He's like talking to the court marshals and they're like, and they're like, oh man, did you guys secretly like get, get these guys to like get these dragons to like destroy Cape Town? And meanwhile, hardcore is having none of that. Also, like 
stunning Catherine moment where she straight up stands up and she's like, oh yes, while we were hostages, we managed to it, like organize a whole group of feral languages and their people in a language we barely, we don't even understand with a translator who barely understands the language she's trying to translate and managed to coordinate a multi-pronged scaled attack on every single like <laughs> like treaty colonized group based in Africa. Yes. It was, it, it was Roland it was Roland who said that actually. It was Roland who said that. Well great, fantastic. I love Jane. Jane is just Jane is doing it. Jane she, is my favorite. Well and and I like and I Honestly, like I read this book so much earlier than you guys did because I had gotten to a point where I was like, I'd finished other things and I was like, whatever, I'm just diving into these next Temeraire books. And I remember telling you guys like a month ago, I think, I was like, trust me on this. Like, especially Nami and Nick, I was like, I know you guys haven't super been feeling this series, but this is the book where it's like, it, well, and, and I have to believe, and I would love to be able to ask Naomi Novik about this. I have to believe she had a plan like this from the start, because she brings up, you know, the slavery, like the slaver ports in book two, and she, the mushroom thing happens in book two. So it's like, I want to believe that it wasn't just the mushroom, you know, that it wasn't just like, well, they have to go back to Africa because of that mushroom I mentioned. I want to believe that, that she was in it for the long haul. Do I really think they needed to, to wait till the fourth book to get here? Like I, I the third book was, it wasn't bad, but there was just, it just felt like it took forever for them to get from like point A to point B in all three, like in the first three books. And then the, 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 this book was just, this was the real point B, you know what I mean? Like this was, this is the meat of the series. And I can promise you, cause I actually just finished tongues of serpents this morning. Um, it pretty much, it, it continues not, not in this exact vein. Um, but what happens in Africa doesn't go away. And they keep traveling the world and and just kind of coming face to face with the issues with British colonial colonialization and this but this book especially where just slavery just explodes in their face it was like See, I, ah! I liked it so much because it makes so much sense that you know for Britain the reason they were able to so effectively colonize places was because of their navy but their navy doesn't matter if there are dragons everywhere. And when you think about it land-wise, British land just doesn't have as much space for dragons as literally everywhere else. So like, there's like a passing sentence at like the very end where like, they're talking about how like their colonies in like uh, miscellaneous places and also in Mysore have failed and Mysore is in India. And I was like, I was like, of course it would fail. India has so much more space for dragons. So of course the dragons could literally just tear down these colonies. Like it stands to reason that if places like China have like relationships with their dragons like this as well, that other places also have the same thing. And it was really, really cool for me to get like the book where it was like, literally these white men are dangerous and they go into Africa and they meet the native population there. And the native population is like, you might insist that you're the good ones, but we don't fucking trust you. Like, like, but, I, mean, I mean, you mentioned Br British colonialism and the slave trade, but as I recall, it was like all of it, Europe. Oh yeah. yeah. That's right. That's what I would say. It was, yeah. it was all of Europe. And in fact, I think the British got rid of the slave trade earlier than most of the countries in Europe did. They did, but not this early. And, and well, and no, also, no, like, I know that, but um, but also, I mean, yes, no, it was so, the Dutch were definitely involved. The Dutch, the, the Portuguese, Portuguese, the Spanish, yeah, primarily the French, um, 
I think abolished it earlier than the Brits, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know exactly when, like how involved the French even were in it, but they they were, I'm sure, to some extent. But it definitely wasn't to the level of like the Dutch, the Portuguese, and the British. But like speaking more about like all of the colonialism, like this, like Spanish especially, because we all know, you know, like Spanish colonists are what made America's discovery famous. Huzzah, love that for us. Um, but so there's literally, there's also a throwaway line that's basically like about how like their colonies of the new world had fallen as well. And it all makes sense. Like it's all like, it's all like, well, of course it's not gonna go. Like you guys might have your boats, but. Uh, so I was wrong, the British did it first. Okay. 1807, the French were not till 1816, and it didn't take effect till 1826. But I mean, again, like, I don't know how involved the French were, like, directly, because let's be real, they also, like, they their country was in such, such upheaval from the early 18th century into the early 19th century, um, because, like, because of their own revolution, and then Napoleon and everything, which like brings us to where they are right now. Like they might have some involvement in the slave trade, slave trade, sure, but it is minimal at best because Napoleon is like busy, you know, like trying to conquer all of Europe. And also, just gotta say that like just like just setting because we will get back to it, I'm sure. But setting like the slave trade and the colonialism and what happened in Africa aside, like you get to the end of this book and you find out how dirty the British are about like the, the, you know, sending that sick dragon back to, you know, ba back to France to, to infect all of their dragons. And it's like, I know that they think of them as like animals and not, you know, free thinking, you know, beings as we who are reading the books know them to be and as the Chinese know them to be it's, and as the Africans know them to be. Um, but wow, that's like, I, I mean, this is this is like low core because like, actually, no, you know what? I'll give you an example. That's like somebody having a litter of puppies and their puppies come down with parvo and they're like, uh, well, I hate this humane society in my town. I think they're kind of jerks because like they're always trying to get me to fix their do my dogs. So I'm going to send my puppies with Parvo to that humane society to infect all their puppies with Parvo. Like, I mean, and these are just like, like these are like just dogs. You know what I mean? Not like free thinking beings like the dragons are. I don't know. It's really fucked up. Like so that whole didn't thing. They, didn't they essentially? Like, I mean, didn't the Europeans essentially do that with actual people? So why are you shocked that they were like, doing Yeah, straight up, like the U.S. did that with smallpox. Oh no, 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 no! Not I'm not saying I'm shocked. I'm not saying like, I'm shocked. I'm just saying like, that it's like wow, 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 British, you be so dirty, like. Yeah, I, like I, cynic, cynic Nami's gonna come back to play right now because, like, absolutely unfucking surprised. Like, like, like people in power will do disgusting things to keep that power, and it's like, of fucking course they do this. Like, I'm, I was sitting there and I'm like, I'm like, mm-hmm, this tracks. Oh, I saw it more as, uh, well, it's war, and we're gonna do the dirty war things. Which you know, like I like I don't know, like dropping IEDs on completely innocent people in the Middle East, like. And then, like in fairness, though, like I didn't even read it to, into it that much because, like, the smallpox blankets literally happened in a time of supposed peace. Like you know, like 
humans in power are capable of disgusting things and they don't need excuses to do this because they will they will just make the excuses as it comes up oh i don't mean it's like i don't want to say like i was surprised by i wasn't i don't want to say i'm like reading into it i wasn't it was just more of a like like seeing it like just seeing that dirtiness on the page and the the very like calculated like way and the fact that you know, Lawrence and Temeraire are like, wait, no, this is bad. This shouldn't be happening. And they're, you know that they're going to go back to Britain and face treason charges because of it. It's just like, oh, my God, like the society is disgusting. People are disgusting. Yeah, why are we like, why are we like this? I think that's part of the reason that I really like this book as well. Because like Naomi Novik didn't shy away from showing the shitty things that people do. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of you know historically based books like to hand wave the shitty things in history away which is mm-hmm. why i gen i generally don't like them and which is why Temeraire wasn't doing it for me at first because it was just like la di da we have dragons everything's fine and clearly it was not and so like this book for me really really nailed it because it was like all right so we spent this time establishing the rules of this world, establishing what's different and what's going on. So now I can tell you how we're going to fix it. And I was like, yeah. Probably right. too much time, in my opinion. Like I, 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 too much time. I could have done with like all the first three books in like three. I, I, I think there's a lot of exposition that happens in the first three books. Because there's that was another thing I mentioned to you guys is that, yes, there's still some exposition in this book. There's still some like, we're wandering around the countryside trying to find mushrooms. And you spend like 30 pages on this when you could have spent like two. <laughs> Show, don't tell. It, but. I think this is a hallmark of Naomi Novik's writing style, though, because like after yeah. reading these books and reading Spinning Silver as well, which I eventually did enjoy Spinning Silver, but it was an absolute slog for me because it was so slow. And I thought it was slow because of like the fairy tale vibe. But the more I think about it, I think that's just the way that Novik writes. And I think she likes writing slow build things. Obviously, this is coming from reading only five of her books, but I'm going to read more because I do like I do like the like political commentary that she is putting in there and that she is delivering on now, finally. And so, you know, like, I think this might just be part of her style, in which case it's not for me, but also like, I'll stick around because your political commentary is doing it for me. Interestingly enough though, like very weird thing, like Goodreads when I like posted that I finished this, it like, it was like, congrats, you finished this book. What's next? And it showed me like some of the reviews of this book. And apparently a lot of people DNF'd after this book because they didn't like it. And they were like, it got too political. It was slow. And I'm like, the fuck were you reading before? Yeah. What? <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> I mean, in a way they're right. It was, it was quite a bit more political than the first three books. Uh, if you, you know, equate politics with slavery is wrong and colonialism is wrong, slavery was wrong, is wrong, colonialism was wrong, is wrong. And let's like, I can write an alternate history and change these things. Like, I Apparently all they wanted was a hoity-toity British man in tight pants walking around, running around with his dragon and being like, Oh my goodness, my manners. What am I to do with my manners? I must have some tea, but I am on an adventure. That's my Lawrence impression. Yeah, I don't, I can't, I, I, I don't, John, and like, 
did you perceive this book as too political? Like we talked, we actually talked about it a little bit uh, Friday night or Saturday, Saturday. I think it was Saturday night. And, and Jonathan was like, this is a, this is like fun reads for me, which is also it's, like, this is fun. <laughs> it was. Yeah. I mean, I, I still don't consider it overly political. I, I mean, I've read a lot of alternate histories that I, it's not, it's not, that's the thing. It's, it's really not. It's this. Yeah. I, it's just imagining what would happen if you had dragons. It's, Yes, you can tell a political story, but I don't think that's the point of Naomi Novak's Yeah, and it's like writing. base level of like human decency. It's like, hey, even in old timey times, you know what's bad? Going into people's houses and telling them, no, this is my house. You know what's also bad? Going to other places and taking the people and being like your property now. And it's like, huh, what strange concepts. How Actually, funny aside, that, that you just said like going to other people's houses and saying this is my house now, that actually sort of happens in the next book. But, like like very literally with dragons. So just but, I like I, I can't wait for you to read that and be like, oh is Temporary gonna like go take I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you. I mean in in some ways I'm surprised actually that i guess in some ways i'm surprised that dragons have not taken over more areas of the world that too yeah i mean i don't quite understand that's the one thing with this story that so many of them are so quote domesticated to, to a certain degree if they're as smart as humans and they're much bigger and stronger and more powerful than humans I, and yes there are fewer of them but why they haven't just taken over i haven't figured out yet well well, there aren't, you, you gotta remember, like, um, there aren't really that many of them, even in the places like, okay, so you think about China, where there's a ton of dragons, the people are still far more numerous, because the dragons don't like they only produce so many eggs, and they don't always produce eggs when they mate, and the eggs take how long to hatch? Like, I mean, Temer's egg came from China and sailed like, basically around the world, before, like, I think they said eight or nine months, and who knows how old it was when they sent the egg, like but, when they put the egg on the ship. So, so I'm just saying, like, the, 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 there aren't, there really aren't that many dragons. Um, compared there are to far, there seem to be far more of them than I would expect based on their size and how easy they seem to be to breed in this world, based when they asked Temeraire to breed and other dragons to breed considering they live hundreds of years or a hundred years. So no, this makes sense. Yeah. So I don't quite understand why they have not pretty much at least established their own parts of the world where they rule. Well, they apparently have in Africa, but other than there, other than Africa, I would have expected it actually in more places. Well, I feel like that's the thing, though. We've only really seen the European side of things, right? And we've seen Europe, and we've seen Africa now, and we also saw China. And, saw China. and in a sense, though, in China, the relationship that the dragons have with humans is much more harmonious and equal there. Right. So, like, you know, it seems that, like, depending on the intelligence of the main dragons in the space, as in China seems to have the most intelligent dragons, that, like, the sort of relationship that that like there that like comes that like happens because of that makes sense and it seems like in a place like britain where dragons were smaller in size and still not as abundant people were able to outnumber outnumber them and breed them 
before the truly dangerous ones were able to come under control slash they were able to breed enough of the tinier ones to subdue the big ones so that they could have the big ones. Yeah, and, that, and that's the other thing. There's not that many big ones and there's not a lot that have the special, you know, that powers. have the special powers like like Temer with the divine like there's so few celestials in the world and and like the, there the, seem to be a lot fire of fire breathers well, there seem just... to be a lot of the acid dripping ones yeah 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 but I think they, like no but... a lot of long wings but that's only because the long wings were specifically being bred for over a hundred years for right, my and I don't know if they I think that Britain bred them into existence i don't think they existed no, they did not that. exist naturally. yeah the long yeah. wings were created um it was sort of like mentioned in the like aside at the end of the first book that was like here's my notes for my yeah. self and i was like give me this and that's actually <laughs> another that's another important thing to remember is what happens when you like when they do the special breeding thing because that really comes out in tongues of serpents just saying Oh, I'm excited for Yeah, I know. Nami, Nami loves like the biology aspect of so things. It, so this special breeding in Tongues of the Serpents when we find out about Harcourt and Riley's child? Oh, special God. breeding there? Yeah. <laughs> we just talk about Catherine's terrible taste in men because Catherine has terrible taste. Oh my God. I like when whenever... Like, I don't even like, think it's a terrible taste in men. I mean, first of all, again, I mean, in times... You know, it, it a, everything they said about the guy, except for the fact his family owned slaves, was positive, right? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I, I, well, then I guess she wouldn't care. I mean, yes, that is a time. that is a turnoff by R to A standards. It's I probably mean, like, less of a turnoff than then the second thing in in this I, particular case. I think she's only getting married. The only reason she's doing it was feeling sorry for the guy in case it's a boy. It was a straight up pity marriage, and I respect mm -hmm. her for that. Also, well, also, can we talk about Lawrence's like proposal to Jane and Jane just being like, "What the fuck? No!" <laughs> it was so funny because, like, this whole book, I was like, "Man, Lawrence, I respect you so much. You're doing so great, bud. Look at you go!" Like, well, I'm more <laughs> upset about the whole. I still don't understand the whole. We can't admit the women are actually in the core thing. When, I, I can't imagine this is now a secret. That's what so, some, you know, yes, it's, it's, it shouldn't be widely meant. It could be not widely mentioned, but enough people had to have seen women riding long wings at this point in the military that the secret would be out and not last very long. I, I just don't get that either. This is concept that this is some great secret i just don't buy that you could keep that i think from, people, from anyone people want to see what they expect to see so like while technically logically it doesn't make super sense but like you know if you're a woman doing active things you're gonna be wearing a sports bra so you're gonna look flat you're gonna have your hair back you're gonna have been in the sun so you'll be like tanned and freckled and why would anybody assume that you'd be a woman you it's know? just it's just like Arya with Gendry, you know, it does. Yeah, you might hide hide it for twenty, tw a few days, but after a, a while, enough people will know, and then the word will get out. I but mean, the thing is, they're not ever hiding it from the people they're ever close to. You know, there's like no reason for the long wing captain specifically to interact with like 
broader Britain or even officially. Not, not broader Britain. Britain, but they would with the army. They would with the navy. But like honestly, there'd be it, enough crossover that, and then someone, some, some able-bodied seaman on the ship would would get drunk at a bar, and I mean, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I think you're giving people way too much credit because I think <laughs> I think when people want to keep a secret, they can keep a secret, especially when it's other it's, people. It's it's like never it's hundreds of people it. who get drunk when they go to get off the ship as soon as they get off the ship. I just don't buy it. It's not going to get out. Also overestimating how many long wings are leaving Britain because it sounds like they're too valuable to leave Britain. Like, I don't think they're sending the long wings on the boat. Yeah. Like, I don't no, think... No, well, not on the boat, but they're defending the Navy. I mean, yeah, I just, I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. <laughs> any other dragon, any other person on the dragon could talk to the boat people instead of the female captain. You know, it's like, like, like I get why it seems like a book couldn't be concealed, but like think about it. Each of these each of these long wings can carry like carries like twenty to thirty crew. Literally any other person on that crew could interact with the Navy and the female captain never has to be in sight. But she was but but they weren't, right? I mean, even in Cape Town, she immediately went to Gray to the army. So they're treating her she's treating with Gray in the in the army. So obviously Gray knows and therefore, people on his base know. I, I just, as I said, I just don't buy it. I just don't. I don't understand how you. I would think that this would be one of these arguments in Parliament that they're arguing over nothing as Rome is burning, which seems to be the thing for the British Parliament in this era, which <laughs> isn't much different than today. But uh, uh, well, I don't know. Like, so you're talking about the long wings leaving Britain, though. Um, did well, you, not leaving them. I'm just saying, in general, I just don't. This whole well, attitude no, of uh, the attitude of Lawrence that he had to basically pretend that Roland's daughter, who's a member of his crew, is his oh okay I illegitimate child, just seems like I, making well, things I, far more complicated I, than he needed to. I, I, I think that, that was just that was a mistake. That was that was abs. And to be honest, it feels a little. It's very comedy of errors to me. Yeah, it's Lawrence is a dramatic baby and doesn't know how to have a straight conversation with his father, which he could have done at any point. It's yeah. like that. That was absolutely a comedy of errors. That was Lawrence being like, "Oh, pedic, pedic, pedic. What do I do? Oh, she's my, she's my." Well, but he never actually said that. He never either. said that. He just let her assume. Exactly. They, and he said because the truth would be too difficult. I mean, come on. <laughs> that that's what I just don't buy. Thing, I think you underestimate the view that men had of women in this time in history. Like the whole women a woman is a damsel in distress constantly is sort of like the pinnacle of what Regency society opinion is. Well, and, and on top of that, like they even with Jane Rowland becoming commander, uh, Admiral, Admiral, what, whatever, whatever she is at the beginning when they get back to England, I, I can't quite remember. Admiral. Like when, when she is in command of the Corps, that literally only happened because the guy who held the position before her lost his dragon, which honestly, that's sad. Like poor guy, and, and, when, and, and, lost and the other and lost his marbles. Yeah, but, yeah, and and the but there other were other guy, people they could have picked. Right, there was I mean, one other guy, one other person that was that had that had the um 
seniority that she did. And he was, I, I don't remember exactly what the description was, but his dragon was also very, very ill. And he was also kind of like, he was Losing not, a, he was not a leader either. Like just him personally was not a leader. And it was like, uh, God, guess I got to put the fucking woman in charge, you know, like, and, and even then it's, it's, she's still expected to, I, I, I don't know. Like it, I, I, I mean, I agree that it's silly, you know, after all this time that they're still trying to hide this when all of the long wings will only accept women as their captains and you know and and also you've got uh because exidium is a uh royal regal copper is that right he's a big one he's a heavy he's a long wing oh he's a long wing for some reason i thought he was yeah. a heavy yeah, yeah, he's a long wing also. giant he's a heavyweight long, like he's a giant okay. long wing. also long wings are heavyweight but but yeah so so i mean i it's it's like I, I, I'm, I, I get it only because, like, we're worth it. You just have to think like this is Jesus, two hundred twenty, almost two hundred twenty years ago now. Like, this way, even in our society today, when you hear that, like, a woman, like a like a woman you know is going into the military, it's like, oh my god, are you sure you can handle it? Like, literally, that exists. Who says that today? A oh, lot of people. So many people. Jonathan but also for not for not for in, in completely incorrect reasons because women in the military deal with a lot of nasty shit. Mm -hmm. um, I've had several female friends who have been in the military, and most of them have dealt with, at the very least, like middle grade sexual harassment. Like, and that's at the very least. But I mean, honestly, I, I I think that like that's neither here nor there. The the the, the fact of the matter is like we're lucky. I don't know. We we seem to be a group of people that has surrounded ourselves with other like you know not shitty people. But like yeah. I mean, like even even some of the most conservative people I know <laughs> who are family members. I mean, it's. The women in that are a lot of them went into the military and had military careers. So I don't think any, I, I mean, I just, but that's now like, how that, no, that's what I'm saying today. Who, that's why I said, who thinks that way today? But, but, but that's a problem. Like we're not looking at today. We're looking at, you know, 200 plus years ago. And not only, cause the thing is not only are there grown women in the aerial court, their core, there are, like Emily Rowland Young is a children. child, you know, she's a child. And I, I will say that it, it, she, she's coming, she's coming into her own. She's, she's 12. an officer at 12. Yeah. So, and, and she's 12 whole years now, like she has to take care of the other children now. Like I will leave my precious bean. Yeah. Bean. It's like having just read like the sixth book, I'm, I'm over here just like, I got to keep my mouth shut because in the sixth book, she's like, coming on to 15 i think and uh things are very rough for her uh in lawrence's mind but she's just like whatever man and everybody else that's been in the core forever is like yeah whatever man <laughs> like she's having a great time lawrence is like but manners can your lady parts wear pants but I yeah, the the thing whole is. thing, the whole thing where lawrence is just like he it's it's whatever and honestly like it's it's not really harming anybody for them to think that Emily is his 
bastard child. Like, I just think it's hilarious that he literally could not think of any other way I to solve the situation. That he would just like, oh, oh my god, mom straight up says like garnet necklace to his illegitimate <laughs> to her illegitimate grandson, and he's just like, oh shit, Emily's right here, and I'm gonna tell her that Emily liked it and said thanks, and now she's gonna know. And I'm I was just like, it was like Lawrence Future medic idiot. There are like 17 ways out of the situation that I see right now. Well, and and so honestly, he, go, sorry, go, go ahead, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. Well, go. I was, I was just, I was going to change the subject a little, a little bit, like try to segue into uh, other, um, other well-to-do families who have children in the core, and we're not talking about Rankin. I want to talk about. Ferris Rankin is rank. Yeah, yeah. Rankin's not even around, but like, I want to talk about Ferris and what the heck, ha- what is going on there? Like, so Lawrence, when they get back to Britain, um, he ends up spending the night with Ferris's family, and Ferris is all embarrassed about it at first. And Lawrence is like, he thinks it's because Ferris's family is poor, and then he finds out that they are like actually like well-to-do, like important people, and they are just obsessed with the fact that Ferris is in the aerial core and they're just like, everything's great and blah, blah, blah. blah. And it's like, wow, what's, cause we get nothing in else. Mind, oh, so- I didn't, imp- I didn't, that wasn't my interpretation of that at all. So I very, honestly, Jonathan, I'm interested in what you have to hear. Cause I like, didn't read into it much, but all I sort of read was like, kind of like a liberal family in a super conservative area being like, yes, we're accepting. We're accepting, damn it. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of how I saw it, is that they they were trying to put on a show that they supported their son but to the point of absurdity, but yeah. they actually didn't really believe it themselves, but they just felt like they had to support their son to, um, for, I think for proper I think- etiquette. I think some of them do. I actually think some of them really do. Like his mom, I think was maybe one of them. And and it's it's well, been a bit since I read this book, but I like think, it I did feel that some some, if not most of his family, was really like yeah. I think there's a difference between loving your kid and feeling proud of them for doing and encouraging them to make a liberal choice when you've grown up in a conservative society and being proud of that. And then there is the level of showboating that his mother did, which was like, we are liberal and I'm tooting my horn about it because we are being better than you. And that that is what I felt the vibes were from her being like, oh, yes, I'm supporting the aerial course by sending my son there. How dare you not do the same? Clearly, I am superior here. We're doing all the correct things. Things. Why haven't you done the well, correct things? And that's not to say that she's not proud and like supportive of her son, but she's also like kind of on a high horse about. Well, I mean, I think it's it's similar to the person to the family that says we send our child into the army or to the navy or to the marine corps, and in this case, the air force. Um, what are you doing for the country? You, what yeah. I would call you, chicken hawks who are sitting in parliament arguing for colonialism and expanding the empire, but you're not actually putting anyone in your family on the line. I, I mean, I saw it more like that than necessarily the liberal of the of the core itself. I think, I think if it had been in yeah, the Navy, it would have right. been the same way. I think mm-hmm. you're absolutely right, Jonathan. I, I think I only read it into as being liberal since the core itself obviously is so liberal comparatively. And that 
yeah, this is definitely more an army, like a like a fancy, fancy family being like, we did our we did our army duty. What about we did our duty to the country? What are you doing? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Agree. See, this is why I wanted to hear your thoughts because I was like, I was like, I'm 99 sure you've got it right, and I'm like, kind of like, I'm like running in circles around correct, and I'm like, maybe I'm here. Yeah, it, it, it like I, it was hard for me to. I I really didn't form like an opinion on this, and that was why I was like in in our you know notes, I was like, what's up with this guy's family? Be and and the quote that I uh, highlighted for this was, and this is this is um. A, it's about Ferris directly. He, as in Ferris, soon made his good nights and escaped again, leaving Lawrence to the rueful consideration that the cold and open hostility of his father might yet be preferable to a welcome so anxious and smothering. Um, and I think Lawrence also misses the point here too. Like Lawrence very much. Yeah. It. The part that the part that's upsetting isn't like the smothering. Like the smothering would have been nice if it was smothering just for the sake of missing him. But like. What Ferris's family is doing is like they're specifically like peacocking him around yep. to their friends to be like, we did the right thing. Did you do the right thing? And that's the part that Lawrence is missing. And that's the part that Ferris is embarrassed about. Yeah, I agree. I think that's exactly what Ferris is embarrassed about. Poor Ferris. I just want to give him a hug. I know, I know, poor guy. And he's so, he's pretty, like, he's cool too. Like, he's just like, I don't really want to do this. But like, also I know that like my family is the only one that can like properly put you up sort of, kind of. I like, have a really nice bed and it would be mean to not give it to you. But also, I am so fucking sorry, Ferris. Um, all right. So moving on, uh, just because we still have like so much to talk about. One of the things that I really wanted to talk about was that we got more on the lives of dragons elsewhere. So like just a brief touch on what happens at the end before we go back to the African dragons. Like in France, Napoleon is improving things for dragons based on Leanne's suggestions, pavilions, widening, widening the streets, et cetera. And that also made me think about like when I went to Paris and thinking about how wide the main streets are and being like, they're at, like, like Naomi is actually like pulling on like, uh, you know, the main avenues in Paris being so big, like unnecessarily big, it seems now even, but like, I, like I, it shows like, first off, Naomi's insight, because I didn't even realize that Paris streets were that big, because I have been, but it has been a while. But just like- I mean, there are, there are still little alleyways and stuff, but there's oh, a lot of really, the main thoroughfares are huge, huge. But like, what I really enjoyed with this was like Lawrence's whole, like being torn on how well Napoleon is changing things to make dragon, mm -hmm. dragons comfortable, but also being uncomfortable with the fact that the only reason this change is happening is because Napoleon's a dictator. And I think that was like a really interesting and good contrast. Cause like, you know, like objectively speaking, Napoleon was a kind of a shitty person, but objectively speaking, I'm sure he helped some people somewhere by using his dictatorial powers for good. And like, you know, it was like a very, like it was a cool nuance about Napoleon that I didn't expect to get. And I also really enjoyed just the aside of like how Leanne was the first to be healed by the mushrooms and, and Temer is just like, I don't want to go talk to her. She's going to give me shitty tea and I'll have to sit there and drink it. And then she's going to snide from Mark and I'm not going to get that as an insult until I think about it later. And then I'm going to be mad and I'm going to have to pretend to like the tea. And I was just like, 
I was so- oh my god the whole thing where he was like she's gonna say these snide things and i'm gonna think they're fine and then i'm gonna think about it and realize they're mean and it's like oh you poor child That's how it goes. but yeah no i i loved it because it was like it was such a good example of like like just like seeing like the changes that napoleon made i was like heck yes like it can be done but also like you know that like everybody in Paris is probably upset about this. Like, Oh, all the people for sure. Exactly. And it's like, it was like so interesting to see Lawrence sitting there being like, yeah, it would be nice to have this, but we also can't do it this way. And like seeing that perspective. Meanwhile, sweet, sweet baby Tamara is just like, Oh, I love it. Pavilions. Give me more pavilions. Also, the fact that Napoleon straight up like runs in and like kisses Lawrence on the cheeks. I was like, what a French thing to do, you French man. <laughs> Me with my French stereotypes. I'll admit it. Kissing on the cheeks is one of them. And the fact that Napoleon runs in and does the cheek kisses, I was like, I see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 and uh, like you said, like, well, we're, well, one of the things, one of the quotes that I pulled, like I didn't pull that many quotes from this book, but one of the quotes I pulled was Lauren saying like, uh, or thinking he was glad to see Temer contented and sincerely so, but he returned to his cell lower in spirits, conscious that Temer would be as happy here as he was in England, happier perhaps. And it's like, if Leanne hadn't been there, if it, this hadn't been all Leanne's doing and Napoleon was somehow just doing this of his own accord or whatever, like, I think even with Leanne there, like Temeraire would be happier in France right now. Like, you know, it just like objectively speaking, like this is what Temeraire wants. Like, I think Temeraire would be happier in France right now. And unfortunately for him, he's got a stupid, honorable, complex captain who's like, I need to go hand myself over for my treason charges. And like, you know, in a way I did understand his reasoning because he kind of explains it at the end of the book where he's like if i don't go back they're just gonna think that it was like selfish and like monetarily driven and that i just you know did this to escape and retire happy and that's not the case i did this because it was wrong to let the dragons die and like we can't not highlight that and in a way i like that he's going back not just because he recognizes that he needs to you know quote unquote be punished for treason but because he acknowledges that the reason he committed treason was important enough that people need to talk about it and it's not going to be talked about if he doesn't go back and i thought that was like way more insight than i expected for sir onic mcgonner mcgonner pants right now it's like you know there's like honor mcgonner pants honor pants to share those pants with zuko and that's pretty much it uh, well, the other thing in terms of like, we get more on the lives of dragons elsewhere. I, I briefly touched on this a few minutes ago, but like, how did you guys feel about, or well, Jonathan, like, how did you feel about the dragons in Africa? Um, I mean, they are literally treated as like, they, they are, they're kings and queens. Well, it's yeah, Jaconda. Like Jaconda. Yeah. I like that. Jaconda, Jaconda. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the this the super advanced society hidden in the jungle that doesn't allow itself to see the outside world or that hides from the outside world. Well, I mean advanced in the sense that in in the in the like in the sense that they're treating dragons the way they are. I mean they as as we know like they are asking Lawrence about I mean they, they don't have the technology that other societies have obviously. Um they don't know you know what Europe even looks like, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, 
and and the the but the they whole, have like but they have hundreds of dragons, right? And they're all they're all they're the leaders, really. Like, I mean, the people the people are are the like they do the speaking, you know, right. too, and everything. But they, I, I mean, they 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 rev I mean, they revere the dragons. I, I would say, like, even more than the Chinese do, because they believe that they are the reincarnations of their dead leader. No, wasn't it the other way around? No, the dragons are the reincarnations of the ancestors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, the, but like, the like, dragons at least are leaning. The dragons, well, are protected. The dragons seem to believe that. Yes, oh, they absolutely do. Because that's the dragons what, believe a, that too, not they, just the but, humans. But they, be, but the dragons believe this because they are taught this while they're in the shell. Just like you know, just like Temeraire learned languages, like he learned British, French, and Chinese. Oh my you know, god! To a point, so true. There's that whole That's segment where they're like singing yeah, the story singing of their past life to the egg. to the egg. Yes, they are. That's teaching, point. Yeah, they are teaching the dragon That's in the egg about all of its past lives. Oh my god! So, I didn't even connect that. That's yeah. So that's it's, such a good patch, Tara. Yeah, it's it, well. I mean, because yeah. like the current, the current king is actually a female dragon, but is the as they believe the reincarnation, reincarnation of, of the a grandfather male, of, right. of, Aras, of Mrs. Erasmus or whatever her. No, no, yeah. no, they're not related. No, yeah, they're they're just they're 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 different tribes, but they're in league. Like the Tsawana have have gathered all of the tribes together to the, the, like all the tribes that have been you know decimated by slavery have have been no, gathered together but is wasn't the point that they thought that that was the granddaughter no the point is that that particular dragon realized that she was his like granddaughter um well, wait. That, that's and what he, i'm saying and, and, right and, exactly. but that's the thing and kafense kafense is the leader of their tribe but kafense is not related to the king Right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like the king, she is just, you know, another dragon. She just is the one that is either, you know, in charge of the biggest tribe, the one that brought them together, whatever it happens to be. I don't know what it was that made her the king, but Hannah is the only person left of Kefense's tribe, mm -hmm. and Kefense's tribe that decimated by slavers that took them all when Kefense was young. So Kefense was like freshly hatched, and this is how Hannah knew him, and like remembered him, and Hannah was like nine when they were taken, and all of his tribe was taken, and Kefense was left. And then later on, Kefense, you know, in this book, obviously he finds Hannah, and that's why he won't take her and her kids back because they are you know his offspring in his mind it's 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 very it's not sorry it's it's not like super um it, they don't go into a lot of detail about it but the tawana that's the tribe that the king the king dragon is part of the tawana gathered together all of the tribes that have been decimated by slavery and they are in a way now one tribe with many different little sects, I think is, is how I would describe it. And so Kefense is the only one left from his little sect until he sees Hannah. Um, and, and so the, the, the King dragon is 
the king because they made him the king because they, again, he they gathered everybody together and said, fuck this. We're not allowing it anymore. We're going to do something about it. And like, and let's be real, they, I, I, I mean. They heckin' did something. Yeah, like I, I feel bad that like her husband, Hannah, the the Reverend Josiah Erasmus, got killed because like they the re and the reason they killed him is because based I think it was something like about based on his like facial tattoos or something or based on his I think it was based on his facial tattoos, but it could have just been based on his looks or whatever. They knew he was from one of the tribes that actually helped the Europeans enslave other tribes. So they like assumed he had been part of it. And like when he stepped up to defend Hannah, they didn't understand what he was doing. So they just murdered him, which is a really just like sad outcome because he was, he really was like a victim in literally all of this. And we get so little of any of that, um, you know, cause as it's very clear that Hannah cared for him and, and she, tried to explain, you know, to Lawrence after the fact, like, you know, he had nothing to do with it, but like they didn't, all they saw was he, he was part of that tribe and he was part of like, that tribe was part of what led our tribe into slavery. And, you know, it, it and, and honestly, that's a very real story. Um, yeah. Most, they, most of the people ugh. captured and sold into slavery were not captured by white people. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's just, you know, the, the, the whole, like the, the reverence with which they treat the dragons less because they're powerful, you know, beings in their own rights and more because they believe that they, you know, encompass the souls of the leader, the, the, the ancestors, the leaders that came before them. It's, it's a really like neat turn or twist on things. Um, you know, like we've got China, they revere the dragons because they're dragons, but here they revere them because they believe that they are, you know, part of this cycle, that they are part of this cycle, you know? And it's, it's, I, I just, I, like, it's super cool, but all I can picture is that the reason this started is because so, some kid was really sad that their parent died. So they hugged a dragon egg and told it stories about their parents. And the dragon came out and it was like, I love you, my sweet child. And the kid was like, mom, you're back. I mean, and again, like you, you, that brief, and I really think it was, it was almost too brief that we get that one little thing where they're singing the stories of the ancestors to the dragon egg. And it's like, that's how they do it, you know? And, and, but at the same time, it's like, the dragons don't mistreat the people. The people don't mistreat the dragons. They're living in a symbiotic relationship that's really kind of beautiful in a, in a different way from the way the Chinese do it. But, and actually in a better way, really, when you think about it, because in, in, in a way China, capitalism, and I'm a fan. Yeah, exactly. I like the it's symbiotic, realistic, yeah. symbiotic relationship. Like, give me more of that shit. So, <laughs> gosh, like, so, like, so much happened in this book. Like, all, but one thing I just want to I just want to touch on because I'm still so mad about it is like I'm so happy, so happy that uh, Demane Domain. I'm not sure how you would pronounce Demane. that. Demane. I, I figured it was Demane. Demane and Sifo. 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 Okay, you 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 listened to it, didn't you? I yeah. mean, listen, it is narrated by a white man, so it's also possible that I'm wrong, but. That I would hope. I would hope that 
the author gave him. I would hope that in this case, unlike Game of Thrones, the author gave him pronunciation guides. Uh, so Damane and Sifo, like I love that they become that they stay part of the story. Like that they, you know, Lawrence realizes that they are going to be caught up in the, you know, kind of takeover so, of the settlement. Yeah. And I'm so happy and, that he sees them and saves them. And I'm so happy that Damane doesn't actually die. Because yeah. like the way it oh, kind of down is like he sees like the like settlers attacking them, and I'm just like you fucking dirty colonists like attacking children like go die in a hole. And all they like, want is their like, all they up. want is their one fucking cow. Like they just want their cow that they were literally the fact that like this dude they were being like, underpaid. But what the fuck happened to the dog? I'm still mad about this because that dog just. Is gone. He's fine. He's fine. He's just a feral he's dog now. His best life. Like he definitely made a dragon friend. He's guarding those mushrooms. He's having a good time. He better he's be. just become he's a dingo. But yeah, no. Like the fact that like these like col the, the colonists literally were like in the middle of a fucking invasion where they're like literally being murdered. They were like, oh no, can't let this little kid steal a cow. Like the fuck is wrong with people? Hate humanity. Colonizers go. Bah! I just, I just really, I just, I, I, I have to believe you guys that the dog is, escaped and is just living its best life. Well, dog like, absolutely escaped. No question about it. The dog, dog is, is perfectly happy getting high on mushrooms. I Dogs still, I still thriving compared to everybody else. I still really, really like. Because, like, there was that moment where, like, Tamara was like, "Ugh, this annoying dog," and Lawrence was like, "We need that dog," and Tamara was like fine and let the dog like curl up next to him and i was like ah please let him have a pet dog forever and now he doesn't and i was very sad about that it's okay Temer has adopted two children instead this is true this is true <laughs> um the fact that those straight up like lawrence and them they were like so what's gonna happen to these kids and Temer's like what do you mean what's gonna happen to them they're on my crew like yeah duh, duh. 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 They're my they're mine. I love how Temrare, it's very to be honest, it's how I feel about like Ice and Firecon people. It's like, oh, you've attended Ice and Firecon, you're my family now. Mm -hmm. Be prepared, be prepared for me to at the very least, like, you know, virtually hug you all the time because you're mine now. <laughs> like, not in a possessive way as Temrare does, but just like you are you have become a part of this and you don't get to go away <laughs> here are all my shiny gold here's all my shiny jewels here's my family they're all humans and i love them here's my pet puppy i went back to africa to get him back oh my god i wish um straight up though emily like when she sees like the two boys and like her like starting to teach them how to read and stuff is so cute and her being like yeah, I have to take care of the children now. And Lawrence being like, you're fucking 12. Like, what? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, like, just wait. They don't go away, either one of them. Well, I love, I love it all so much. That makes me laugh. You know, I am a bit sad, though, because um, what's his face left? The, um, oh, man, the the half Nepalese man who helps them get the ferals. Oh, Tharke. Tharke, yeah. I was really sad that Tharke left. I wanted Tharke to stay. Cause I was like, you're one of like my three brown people in this, or actually at the time, you're you're my one brown person in this. Please stay, buddy. You got the cook. You got the cook. 
Mm. Is the kid brown? It was never specified. Well, he's, oh, he's Chinese. A, he's, a Chinese. he's Chinese. Gung Su. Oh. oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. is. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Gung Su is still around. Still, yeah, a, like, and doesn't he have like a team of cooks from China, or at least one other? No, no, Gung Su oh, is the only died. one left. Oh, that's right. The other one ran away and died. Yeah, I think my I think my favorite Gung Su moment though was kind of hilarious because there really only was this one, but it was like where he like straight up goes to Temer and he's like, "You're not eating. You're. Uh, I must be a terrible cook. <laughs> Woe is me." <laughs> I was like A plus drama, like <laughs> because Tamar is a celestial, like he's uber important. Like if he doesn't like Gungsu's cooking, then everything it's... is like his life is over. You know, <laughs> I just I just love the drama of him being like, "You don't like my food," and Tamar's like, "No, I'm sorry. I just love my friends." And Gungsu's like, "Bitch, caught you eat my food, damn it." So uh before we uh, there, there might be other things we want to touch on real quick before we close this up but the one thing i do just really want to reiterate is iskerka like i finished this book and i was like uh rosa in brooklyn 99 where i was like i've only had iskerka for a little bit but if anything happens to her i will kill everybody and then myself because like she's obnoxious okay she's obnoxious she's been obnoxious since the beginning but I love that we don't see her at all in this entire book. And then we, like, Temer, they all go back to Britain and they're, like, getting attacked by, you know, a French vessel or dragons. I can't remember. And Iskerka comes. The, the, the vessel is running away from them. No, no, no. They get they get attacked. They for sure get attacked. And no, Iskerka, they don't. Mm -mm. They get, they get they the, don't. the, 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 the French, the French merchant <laughs> fleet saw them and it was guarded by a frigate. And then started to turn the other way just to avoid them. And then the the, the dragons, the ferals plus the skirka oh, okay. came in, and then they changed direction and started coming towards them because they were being chased by the dra other dragons. Okay, I, I I couldn't I can't remember exactly what it was. All I know is Iskerka comes in like a fucking. A she's just a pirate dragon she's just like hey so i learned about this thing called capital and i've just been taking prizes left and then you find out that she's been like secretly like doing these stealth missions at night and then coming back and like whispering to the ferals about where they need to go and like ah i just love and she is just dressed granby up like a fucking idiot i love the fact that she seems to be treating granby like like a pride show dog or something and she's like <laughs> Look at my human. I gave him shinies. <laughs> Look at my pet human. I dressed him up. <laughs> it was just so funny to me. Also, the best part with her return, specifically with the audiobook, is that, you know, actor goes back into his voice for her, which, you know, I realized in other audiobooks that it annoyed me when guys specifically did, like, high-pitched girl voices, but he does it so good for her. And he comes back and he's like, it's me, it's Kierka. I'm here. I'm a pirate, too. <laughs> so good and so screechy and annoying and i love it speaking of voices how do we cast the movie oh my gosh did i Who's lawrence <laughs> oh i can't i'd have to really that She's might be like, a conversation long. for another episode because i'd have to really think about yeah, it, I'd have to think about it. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think about blonde actors and i can't think of any right now the only person i could think of is, of is tom felton and i don't think that's the vibes i, I mean I, i'm more thinking well, about obviously it needs to have of. be someone with a british accent yeah yeah <laughs> So, yeah, someone who's properly British, not just uh, fake British. Um, I, I, I just like, blonde. I just like I, I, 
everything and and the fact that they're like um oh now i'm worried that i'm that i'm thinking about the next book uh there's like a there's like a thing where they're like yeah those pharaohs they follow Iskirka like everywhere like she's like their queen because i i think it might be the next book that that quote yeah, comes from like, that doesn't happen but, but like they but they do though that's the thing like they they're they they have been because they're also getting a portion of the prizes that she takes and just the whole thing is just Iskerka amused me to no end in book three and I was really sad when we didn't get much <coughs> of her or when it was clear we weren't going to get much of her in this book um, but when she came in at the end she came in like a wrecking ball and I fucking loved it like I, I love everything about her like I just and like I've gone two books since then and she annoys the hell out of me but also is amazing still like uh, she's it's just hilarious like and her obsession with making granby like just like you said like her like her doll essentially like she's like i got all these prizes so my captain gets to wear all these pretty things and Tamara is over here like no one shouldn't have those pretty things why can't i take prizes sulking <laughs> sulking temeraire because iskira had shinier prizes was just so funny to me even though, you know, let's be real, Temeraire, like, brought the cure for the sickness back. Like, he is yeah, he because didn't get paid, of Temeraire. He didn't pay capital for it, though. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, Where is his but, capital? Well, yeah, yeah. shinies. So, um... It's so funny that, like, the book that was about the plague... Like, I don't even talk that much about the biological thing, except for the biological warfare at the end. Because, like, low-key, we knew it was the mushroom. But also, I just, it made my biologist self happy to read the summary for, to hear, read, like, the, like, back of the book blurb for this book. And be like, ooh, dragons get sick. Okay, they look for a cure. I can get behind this. This is my genre of interest. And I think, you know, I'm going to be fair. I did walk into this book with a happier attitude because I was like, at least there's biology I can get behind. But then well, also it was better. So, And it's kind of scary a little bit that this book was published in 2007. And the plague that hits the dragons is very C-O-V-I-D like. Please don't say the word out loud because YouTube hates it. Uh <laughs> Not though, like it's just a general respiratory illness. Like almost everything's a general respiratory illness these days, except a very dangerous and highly communicable one. That's that's that. Those were the those were the like ties. So as that a I biologist, put. like I hate to break it to you, that's How not wild. You? Like that's not wild. Like if we're talking about something, oh no 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 no. no. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that this isn't like a new thing or anything like that. I just mean like reading this book at this point in time and having this particular disease be very like just Perfect. just in terms just in yeah, terms of the 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 how communicable like, it is and how dangerous it is. It was like, oh, in terms of reading, like but any it's much it's much more dangerous to dragons than it is than yeah. our current situation. And also in terms of reading, like, you know, any it, I feel that way about any like plague related thing that I read now. Like no matter yeah. what it's it always, yeah, it's almost impossible to not topical. Yeah. You can't not draw parallels. We're like literally living through it. You know, but like, you know, from a biological standpoint, they're like 
yeah, it's both lungs, but like everything's lungs when it comes to illnesses for the most part. Like, you know, like the create like the scary Ebola sort of shit. Like you don't that's not common illness wise, you know, like you don't in terms of biological contagions, like an illness that makes you do that is infinitely more rare. Therefore, of course it's something that like makes your lungs angry. Everything makes your lungs angry. Nami's little biology aside. California makes my lungs angry, honestly. <laughs> you don't like California? Uh, it it is, my lungs angry. It is way too dry here for mm, me. Yeah. Like I'm not, I think it's just, I was raised on the East coast. I am used to the humidity and I like, I used to be able to go running like five miles. No problem. Running I don't necessarily really have, I don't exactly. have like the breathing problems, but I, for like, like that's, it's very weird. It's, no, it's, I understand what you mean. Running is really difficult in dry heat. And like, yes, you know, while dry heat itself is more tolerable in my opinion than wet heat. Oh, it, it is. Makes exercise more difficult. Like, yes. you know, India is a very dry heat, which is why, you know, no matter how hot it is when we go to Bangalore, I'm always like, oh, wow, it's so nice. I like never understood why that was. And I was like, oh, it's because it's not humid. Like my body, my body isn't moist. Like love this for me. Um. So anyway, uh, we're, we're at about an hour and 15 minutes. Um, any, well I, well, I guess one thing we haven't really talked about is the fact that on their, like, it wasn't just that the Tswana took over Cape Town. They pillaged the whole coast and ruined all of the slave ports. And like the, the, the one that they're finally able to land in that has people in it is like, it's like the last bastion of, like slavery and colonization on the coast on at least the east coast of africa um and and lore, it, it all it is 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 like a destroyed village a destroyed no. port with the two like slavers or how or like a handful of slavers there, like just kind of like living off the land while they starve the slaves that they have you know and and i, I just i was really uh oh there goes john lost him oh no um i i I was really like, I don't know, like I, 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 I love that, that it didn't just end in Cape Town. That this was this was a multi pronged attack that destroyed, that destroyed just, like all of it. Everything about it sparked so much joy. I was like, heck yeah, get rid of the colonists. It's what, it's what they deserved. Of course, my favorite is when they go back to England that they're like this unprovoked attack, and I'm like, right, unprovoked. Sit down. Yeah. One correction, though, it was the west coast of Africa. That oh, they, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. West yeah, it was west. That is, that is directions. directions. Yeah, I've, got, I've got American direction on the mind. Like, I'm on the west coast. You are on the east coast. You're right, though. It was the west coast. My God. Uh, it made me so happy. And honestly, like, I think the funny thing to me was that I knew that the next book starts off with Lords being convicted for treason. And my biggest fear was that they were going to, like, blame, like, like the, like, the destruction of, like, the slave ports on him somehow. And I was thankful that he did something, you know, actually treasonous. No, they, yeah, they don't do that. They don't do that. But uh, the... I will tell you this, the fact that he set those slaves free does come back to haunt him because. Oh my God, he already gets the bill at the end of this. Like, dude just straight oh. up walks up to him. Like, okay, after... I thought that was in the next book, but yeah, yeah. So it is yeah, this, this yeah. book. 
Oh, God. He gets sued. He walks out of the court marshals and they hand him a bill. <laughs> no, just, no, it was a lawsuit. It wasn't a bill. Was it a lawsuit? It was, oh. it was a lawsuit. He was summoned. Ah, uh, even better. That's why yeah. he said he had to go talk to his attorney. Uh, <sighs> uh, yeah, no, I literally like the whole time they get back to England and England is like, this unprovoked attack, this absolute tragedy. Why would they ever do this to us? And I'm just like... And for sure there were probably like... The fucking cause. There were probably pseudo innocent people that died in this, you know, like, I mean, unless, okay, firm point here, unless you are at the point where you are a forced to go live in the colony or be born to somebody already living in the colony, that's what I was you thinking are about. not blameless. Yes. Yeah. That, that's what I was thinking about. I'm thinking about like children and like, cause they, they decimate like everybody that's but they there. also do say that like in cape town they weren't like hurting the women and children oh, okay i missed that then yeah they that's were good. they did say that in cape town they weren't hurting the women and children and any women and children who did die were getting caught in crossfire of like panicked colonists yeah shooting on themselves yeah so we've reached this point in the series where it's like again like i when i talk to this to, to you guys about this book when I first read it like about a month ago or so I was like this is it is so so like if I were to rate the first three books out of like like a 10 on a 10 star rating scale I would give them I, I, I can't remember each but I would say I would give them like anywhere like from a five to like six star like this is not terrible reading but I'm not loving it but I really did enjoy this book. And I, the next um, book isn't quite I, so hardcore, but it's it's still really good. So, I, went so back I, and I, I, I would actually rate the first three books to be that those are the worst types of books because I, I, I thought they were okay. And they weren't the best in my mind. They weren't the best written. They weren't the most exciting. But they were just good enough. I wanted to know what happened next. Yeah. <laughs> And th yeah. those types of books drive me crazy because I invest lots of time into, I really didn't need to invest this much time into these things. I've been a lot kinder with myself in terms of like, you know, you can just stop reading this series and wiki what happens. And like, no, you, you know, can't, that's cheating. <laughs> I know it's cheating, but Jonathan, there's so many good well, books in the world. We don't have time for this. We just don't. Especially... <laughs> I mean, especially with work and and. I mean, that's not even Cliff Notes. That's you know even worse than Cliff Notes. Well, like, you know, in my mind, it's like I want to know what happens, but like if the book doesn't grip me enough that I feel good about investing my time in it, I, I can still be curious and like not want to keep reading. That's what I was very ready to do with this series, but I'm glad I didn't because this book did do it. This book was a four star for me. I know previously I said that I rated um two and three four stars as well, but I changed that. I ended up rating book one two stars because I was like, Bleh. and then book two and three. Yeah, book one wasn't great. I was like, mm, don't care. Three. Don't care. But book two is better. Book three took kind of a step back again, but like this one took like huge leaps forward and um in the next one you know you don't get the whole like they're not in africa you know so you don't get the whole i don't know the destruction of like african colonialism which was so great and, and also that that insight into the the lives of dragons in an entirely different area which you also got a little bit of in book three which is the 
in Pretty China. Much only reason well, in China I... and also the ferals. Well, yeah, no, no, no. But I, I mean, I really liked book two, um, and book three. I think took like a step kind of back from that. Like the Prussian sub bored the hell out of me. But like, um, going forward in this series, uh, you know, I, I right now I've I've read through. I've read all of the books that we're covering through the end of the month. And I can solidly say that like the next one is good because you get more of the dragons and their mindset and what goes on in their, like it's, it's dragon politics, honestly, is what it is. Okay. So it's, it's, there's still, there's still some, there's still some of that Naomi Novik stuff where it's like, I really feel like she decided, or maybe her publisher decided, I can't really blame it on her, like editor, publisher, there were probably more, there's there's more than her involved in this. And somebody decided these books need to be exactly this length because so far they're basically all the same length, all of them, the same exact length. And it's like, could you just, could you just like not include some of this boring stuff? And then you could maybe, the book would be shorter it would be honestly, I think if she cut out some of her exposition, um, it would be like each book would be about 50 to 100 pages shorter. But and, and I do, I think she splits them up properly in terms of you know, like this book is about this, this book is about this, this book is about this. I don't disagree with that, but I do believe they could be shorter, and a lot of the problem is her exposition in them and I don't know if that's the way she wanted to write them or if it's because somebody told her no this isn't long enough add something else and and you know so so I they all still have that I think it might be the way she writes because like I said I saw it in Spinning Silver as well and I put it aside to like fairy tale vibes writing but I think it might just be her writing style. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Um, okay, so any last thoughts before we close out? Crush the colonizers. Yeah, no, for real. That the, the I, when I read this book, I like, I legit could not put it down. I don't think it took me but like a few days to read it, which I, like, is whooped. something. I whooped when they were like destroying all the all the colonies. I was like, yippee, good job. Go, oh yeah, when they got to that first colony and it was like burned to the ground, really? I was like, "Ah, <laughs> yay!" We, we we really like to read about the death of thousands of people. Colonizers. Um, I, I well, and 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 honestly, though, those ports weren't weren't colonizer ports. Like the the Cape Town was a port full of settlers, but these other ports were mostly just slave trade ports, and they made that like. And Very I'd have cool. to look them up historically and see if they, I, I don't know if they one actually One of them existed. was, I don't know about the other. Yeah, I don't know about the other one specifically, but one, I assume they are. There was no other reason to have ports on Africa at that time. Two, mm. the, the first one that they specifically go to is specifically a slave port because Lawrence basically and Riley have their weird like, oh, we're not going to talk about this, but we're going to weird apologize and be like, hey, let's avoid the slave port. No, dude, it's okay if we go to the slave port because I support you as a friend. Like that weird conversation. So we know for sure that the one that they straight up burned down was 
a slave port and I'm here for death of slavers. Yeah. They, and, and, and that's not to say that there weren't some other people there, but like, yeah, no, they, they were, they were trade ports. They weren't, they were, and they're described that way too. Like they were small, they were just, you know, you can pick up some supplies there, whatever. But like, I also just love the fact that like this whole time the British were like, well, we can't go like, into Africa because the feral dragons and it turns out they're not feral at all which also feral is like clearly just like some distinction that humans give also, the dragons it's like very funny to me that their whole thing was like oh we can't go into the center of Africa because they're feral dragons but like buddy they just don't speak English like yeah sit down it's like like well, I mean, and we saw that in book three because they, they, you exactly. know, they, they are, are, Arcady and, and like, and, and Whinge and all those other ferals, ferals. I don't even want to call them that anymore. Can we think of another name for them? The Arcady like, gang. Like the pirates, the pirate dragons. But they yeah, the pirates I, and it's like, it's clearly obvious that like all these dragons have society. It's just that like humans haven't looked into it. So they're like, oh, unknown savages. Great. And like the I second I see with the feral dragons a lot, because that's what they do. That's what they uh, colonists have historically done to other societies that they found. And they're like, well, oh, I, 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 I mean, in book three, people. in book three, like the second they like are stuck in that cave with that, with those dragons. And like, there's like this sort of conversation or whatever with them, like, do they have some ideas that maybe don't fit with what, you know, Lawrence and all them determine is like society for sure, because they've been living out in the mountains, like just killing also, goats let's and be shit. Very objective, like hoity toity British aristocracy society is not and should not be the norm. Like, ew, adamantly. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I mean and that's the thing like it's like they, culture exists in other forms and like these dragons clearly have had it because they are capable of language and communication uh -huh. and like humans just never bothered to learn just as they never bothered to learn with other people and they always just assume that these other groups of people that they don't know about and thus these other groups of dragons that they don't know about are feral because they just don't know better. And it's all like, it's one of those things that it's like, oh, it does make sense that you think they're just feral dragons. And meanwhile, they're just like, stay out of our fucking land and stop taking our fucking people. And I think that's kind of a part of, of what Naomi Novik is trying to portray here. Uh, not just in this book, but in the series as a whole is like, I mean, Brit, the Brits think that these dragons are like barely capable uh, uh you know, when clearly that's not the case in the aerial core, most of, most of them know that, um, with the, you know, I know there's some ex exceptions. Um, the one courier dragon, Nitidus, is that? Follies. Fo uh, yeah. Uh, like folly. Like there's definitely some dragons that have been bred, you know, not in the best way or whatever. They're a little like they're, they're slower than the other dragons, but they can still speak. They still understand. And like, then, you know, you've got these other dragons that it's like, Arcady and his dragons aren't stupid by any means. They have their own society. You know, like Arcady, Arcady tells like these ridiculous stories to his like dragons like this. I don't know. It's just 
And Naomi Novik conveys the point in a really great way. It's like, Mm -hmm. just because you assume, just because you don't understand the language that they're speaking doesn't mean that you can just assume that they're not speaking or that they're not intelligent. Like, that it's just like, it's like so very on point. And it's like, Right, and there. she and she really yeah. takes it to the next level in this in this book, where it's like they've assumed these African dragons are just crazy feral dragons that are just murdering everybody that comes in the interior, and it turns out no, 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 that's not at all. They have their own like amazing society, and they are just trying to protect their people, mm-hmm. like because the dragons themselves are fine, like they're not worried about their lives, but they are trying to protect their people who clearly like who can't protect themselves you know picturing is like them doing show and tell like with their like little tribes and be like look this is my family and Tamara is like oh nice to meet you this is my family um this is granby he got i had to loan him um he's still technically on loan oh my god <laughs> All I can is dragon family show and tell <laughs> all right well on that note uh I think I think we've covered Empire of Ivory. I, we all I, like clap 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 clap. I really enjoyed this book. Like I really did. I think it took. I think it, it took fun. everything. Yeah, I, I think it took everything that like I wanted from this series and made it a reality. Uh, and I am excited to to discuss the next book with you guys. So on that note, once again, I'm Tara along with Jonathan and Nami. Thank you for joining us for Sagas and Sass, and we will be back in two weeks to discuss Victory of Eagles, book five of the Omi Novik's Terror series. Thank you for listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Sagas and Sass.